You are listening to episode 41. This episode is brought to you by my new course, How to Dominate LinkedIn with Your Personal Brand. Do you feel like when you're on the LinkedIn platform, you're not really sure how to actually navigate it? Does it feel clunky or confusing? And do you have all these connections, but you're not sure how to really leverage those connections and how to really show up virtually in presenting your personal brand? Well, that is what this course is about because since September, I've gone from 1,500 connections to about 8,000 connections on LinkedIn. Not only that, I've gotten clients through my content and people have actually reached out to me to speak for virtual speaking engagements. So if this is something that you would really like to capitalize on and take advantage of and learn about, then this course is definitely for you. And you can learn about it more uh, in my show notes and I will have the link to the waitlist just for you. And now on with the show. On today's episode, I get to interview a very special guest. Her name is Ashton Smith, and she is visually impaired, yet she has managed to compete in the Special Olympics for a number of years, even competing in Dubai and securing a gold medal in swimming. She began swimming when she was only eight years old uh, under her mentors, Jean and Steve, who were really instrumental in her career choice and actually drove her daily to the YMCA. She talks in this episode about being a Special Olympian and some of the shortcomings that she has seen and experienced as a Special Olympian as well, and what she would like to see innovate the space in the future. As a huge Olympic junkie, I was very curious to see what the different types of perspectives are on being an Olympian, and also with a brother with special needs, uh, specifically from the Special Olympics perspective. Now, I also have a disclaimer that she's speaking specifically about her experience with Special Olympic Texas. And the views and opinions expressed on the Okiki podcast are those of the speakers and not necessarily the official policy and position of the Okiki podcast. Any content provided by our speakers are of their opinion and not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual, or anyone, or anything. So on today's episode, I'm hoping we can learn a thing or two about what is going on in that space and where we can begin to see equity and equality across all the different Olympic arenas. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Okiki Podcast. 
And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Ashton Smith, and she is an ex-Special Olympic gold medalist, tri-athlete, who also is an motivational speaker, aspiring podcaster, and sports brand ambassador. So she she is blind, but yet she was able to perform uh, at the Olympics, including she was in Dubai. So thank you so much, Ashton, for joining the podcast today. Thank you. And um, thank you to uh, all of those that continue to follow me. Yes, I am an athlete in the Special um, Olympics. I actually did compete in Dubai. And uh, my hope with that is uh, also to tell my story in a book called Swimming Upstream. So I'm also going to write a book. Awesome. So please tell us about your background. How exactly did you get into swimming at this level? Was this something you always wanted to do? Or did this kind of fall into your lap as you were growing up? Well, I first started swimming at the Waxahachie YMCA but I got in Special Olympics even before that. I got in Special Olympics in the 90s. And the way I found out about Special Olympics was through a flyer. Yeah, I saw that flyer from Special Olympics in the 90s, you know, and I picked that flyer up. They had, you know, I think it had like field day listed, a couple of the events, the softball throw. Like I remember what was on the flyer. Like they had the softball throw, everything dealing with field day was outside. So I've been in Special Olympics since the 90s, you know, but uh, been in swimming also the same time the YMCA in Waxahachie, Texas taught me how to swim. Mm. And Shantae was a big part of introducing me to swimming Mm. at the YMCA. Yes, a black lady. (laughs) Yes. You know, yes. And I continue to stay at the swimming and continue to do it to this day. You know, I'm 35 five years old, I, you know, of course, with the pandemic happening, I had to quit, you know, essentially everything, even Special Olympics was shuttered, all, everything stopped, swimming for me has stopped, and so. When you got to go to Dubai, how much training did you have to do to be ready to compete against? Swimming, we were, I was swimming six hours, I was swimming six hours a day, so it would be like three hours in the morning or something, and three hours in the afternoon at that time or whatever the case. So I'm sorry, or at night. So you had to get your body a break, but that's, that's six hours a day. How did you know that swimming was the one for you to really go after competitively? Well, cause there really wasn't very many people, you know, I came from a small town, Waxahachie. So first of all, there was nobody my color swimming. So that was the first thing I noticed that I just wanted to try to break that color barrier. And, and I did even in Special Olympics, there weren't very many African-Americans swimming at my level, if any at all. Very uh, cool. So that's amazing. And how much training did it take then for you to be Olympic ready? Because I know it's one thing to join, but it's another thing to actually train at that level. I was training, I was training six hours a day. So sometimes it would be three hours in the morning and that doesn't necessarily have to be at a gym. I might go for a run in the morning or do stuff in the morning, you know, on a track or something, or I might, uh, you know, do swimming in the afternoon or at night. So yeah, um, it was about six hours of my day and I wasn't getting paid to do none of that. The country also where you got your gold medal. I got my gold medal at uh, Seattle when I went to Seattle in the U.S. games. Okay. Okay. So when you're competing on that level, what did you have to do mentally to prepare, being that this was your 
first international trip and that you were going against other countries. I committed everything. I did not, that year, I wasn't doing any type of work for anybody. That way nobody could say, well, you did this getting hurt. No, I did no other work for that. During that time when we were preparing for world games, I ceased doing any type of lifting, anything like that. And for me, being in world games and being a part of that, I think it's a good experience, I will say. It stopped for me. September 18th, 2019, I no longer was a participating person in their program. I was, they have an old timey rule where you cannot use their logo or imagery or video footage or anything to make money or promote yourself, right? But they're allowed to use your image and your face to promote to other people. It is, it is literally like the NCAA for disabled people, except for there is no scholarship. There is no help. There is no, nobody saying, I'm going to help pay hotel costs. I'm telling you facts, right? Special Olympics does not pay for these things. Let's list the things they do not pay for for Special Olympics, Texas. I, disclaimer, cannot speak for other states. So anybody listening from other states, not talking to you because I don't live in your programs. I don't live in your territories. I was specifically talking about the state of Texas even have the letter where they kick me out of the program. So I'm trying to do everything I can to move past all of that. I've been out of Special Olympics, like I said, you know, September 18, 2019, 2020 has passed. I've been out of Special Olympics for over a year. And so what I'm doing now is trying to move forward with my life to do the careers that I desire for my life. If you don't mind backtracking a little bit for our audience. Uh-huh. Do you mind clarifying some of the differences between if you're in what we would, I guess, for lack of a better word, consider the mainstream- The real Olympics. The the mainstream Olympics. Right, that's right. Versus Special Olympics. And And I also want to point out, you clarified this has been your experience with the Special Olympics in Texas specifically. Right. So is it, is it- are each of those Special Olympics kind of managed in a more regional way? And do they have their own kind of rules from your perspective? Each delegation is managed by their state. To answer your question, the difference between the regular Olympics and the Paralympics and Special Olympics is that those other two Olympics, the Paralympics and the mainstream Olympics, allows for sponsorships. They allow for you to have a job. They allow for your rights to, to, you know, for you to have certain rights that Special Olympics does not allow you to have, right? So, you know, I want the right to have certain jobs. What if I want to work in the public sphere, like on television, radio, programming, you know, any of that kind of stuff? So from your experience, you found that when you were in the program, they wanted you to focus on the program, but they didn't really allow you to have external partnerships. Yeah, they wanted me to focus on the program and nothing else. And it just, it got just too much. It was, the program became too invasive and no longer fun anymore. Yeah, because I would say for someone who actually is a huge Olympic enthusiast, myself, I think the world generally is more aware of what happens, right, in those Olympics. Right. And even Paralympics, you said, following that has a little bit more media attention. But I think Special Olympics is still one that is still not on everyone's radar. As someone with a special needs brother, he has done Special Olympics in high school and things like that. But like you said, there's different ways that the different regions are... Um, being managed. I'm in Canada. So that's probably. Right. And they probably pay for stuff. 
Um, right. They probably but, help your brother. They don't do nothing out here in Texas. They, when you are 18 years or older, you should have the right contractually to go seek money from a third party. So another thing you'd like to see is protection for the athletes in the organization and um, that there's someone to at least make sure that they're being taken care of in terms of like how they're represented yet. And what Special Olympics needs is they need an independent panel separate from Special Olympics to have people in place that I could go to, that somebody can go to and say, my child's having this problem. They don't have a governing body to hit, like the Players Association, this is, I'm gonna tell you something, because I play football, right? I'm not stupid. Special Olympics needs something called the Athletes Association, where athletes can go and talk about their problems. What are some of your goals and what are some of the partnerships you hope to have in the future? So are- now, so now these partnerships in the future, I hope to be able to partner with Arena Swimwear. I hope to be able to partner with NutraFit and some of these fitness brands and Nike and some of that and tell my story. I also hope from telling my story verbally, I'm going to be, again, writing a book called Swimming Upstream. That will be hopefully available here uh, the next coming months, which is good. That book will also honor my sister, my grandmother, because my grandmother died and my sister died this year. Right. This year, my sister died at the age of 35. Right. And my sister helped me financially with a lot of things. My grandmother helped me financially with a lot of things when I was in Special Olympics. When I want to be able to sell my work, I want to be able to promote my website, uh, www.goldenashton.us, have a website, right? So that there's a reason to have optimism, you know, because these things are rolling already and already up. The website is already up. It is already available. And also on that note, too, you talk, uh, I've noticed that you're also very active on LinkedIn and very active about outreaching and for your personal brand. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. What are some of the opportunities that have come now that you have gone out of your way to try and, I guess, create them and create those networking connections? I'm going to have two books come out of it. That's a good thing. And then once we get that set up, I ran into a gentleman that also deals with the public or motivational speaking aspect. And then I found one of my friends on there that I haven't seen in a long time. So, I mean, it's a site just for every, for everything, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just interesting in my life. And I, I just know for me, I want better. Um, I think having a book, being able to also go on a radio station, you know, I was actually featured on 97.9 The Beat for Special Olympics, Dallas, Fort Worth. And I also noticed you have done an ESPN interview as well. I did. I did. You have a lot of, you're very good at getting yourself out there on the media and you have a lot of goals. You said you've already written a book. You're on your second one. So I want to. Well, we're writing this first. We're writing the first book and we want to do a second one. But with the pandemic, man, like, look here. I'm telling the pandemic, I don't care what you're doing. It has been utterly hard just to do it's just been hard man and we're we're trying to like how does the pandemic affect you writing a book oh yeah you gotta have staff where's the ghostwriter all all of that stuff and it's just it's just like okay okay this is this is tougher than what i but it becomes a blessing because eventually you know that it will lead you to be able to make money Hmm. 
Now, I wanted to go on to your, your projects because you have a lot of projects now that you want to do moving forward. So what is your current new book about and what are you hoping your second one will be about? My first one is Swimming Upstream. That's just about the trials and, and how difficult it is. In Special Olympics, we don't get paid. You know, I believe the organization's lost its way. A lot of us struggle financially. I know me, I've, I've struggled since my grandmother's death financially. Mm-hmm. It's been very difficult at best. I know since my sister's death, it's been even worse. And I'm having to do this to feed myself. I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm having to create these books, create podcasts, do public speaking, because none of these things... In Special Olympics, you're not allowed to have an LLC. They don't even tell you about anything like that because they don't think you can comprehend it. And then what is your new podcast about? Truth to Power uh, or Truth to Triumph. It's going to be about, you know, you know telling the truth and about uh, whether it's programs, what's out there for people such as food banks, just about resources and just a variety of topics that can actually help people. I want my podcast to help people and give people the knowledge about organizations that they may not know about. Mm. Amen. So a lot of people don't know that us in Special Olympics don't get paid. They don't know we're not allowed to use Special Olympics logo, image, or likeness. We're not allowed to use anything to profit to help ourselves live or survive, but they're allowed to use our face. And that's a problem that I also won't end it. Equipping Special Olympians and other people just in general who may not know about programs that can really propel them forward economically is kind of your goal with that. That's right. 